Welcome to episode four of Federal Agents at the Door. We're talking today with Fox Rothschild partner Matt Lee about what to do if government investigators show up at the front door. Matt has a wealth of experience on both sides of investigations. He started his career as a trial attorney with the U.S. Department of Justice and now represents companies that are on the receiving end. You could say he knows them inside and out. Previous episodes focus on what a company should voluntarily disclose, how to respond when investigators compel disclosure, and preserving evidence. In episode four, we'll focus on handling issues of legal representation during an investigation. Matt, is it okay for a corporation and its individual employees to be represented by the same attorneys? The answer to that question is tricky, and it really depends on the facts and the circumstances of each case. Often it's necessary, and sometimes even required, that employees be represented by separate counsel. That's especially the case if the employees in question are directly involved in the alleged conduct that is the subject of the investigation. On the other hand, though, if the employees are simply fact witnesses, meaning they have knowledge about what happened, then they don't necessarily need to have separate counsel. So who pays for that? So when separate counsel is brought in to represent employees, generally, the company should pay. And that's usually what happens in these cases. And even in, in some cases, the company has a legal obligation to pay for the uh, legal fees of corporate officers or board members. This is because this type of arrangement is often required um, under the company's bylaws um, or state laws where the company is incorporated, such as Delaware. What about employees who simply have knowledge related to the subject matter of the investigation, but they aren't implicated in any wrongdoing? Providing every one of them with their own attorneys could get expensive. Yeah, it sure can. And, and this is what I referred to a moment ago when I talked about uh, employees who are simply fact witnesses. These are employees who know something about the underlying allegations um, or the underlying investigation, but they're not accused of doing anything wrong. In these cases, generally what we do is we arrange for them to be represented by separate counsel who we call pool counsel. Pool counsel can be a lawyer or a law firm who's hired by the company to represent the employees who are witnesses in the investigation. This is a way for the uh, company to be able to, to um, provide legal counsel to the employees, but also not have to hire a, uh, a separate lawyer for every individual. And instead you have pool counsel who represents these employees as a group. Should all these financial arrangements be disclosed to investigators? No, agents and prosecutors should not be permitted to ask about legal representation arrangements. And if they do, it's simply none of their business. Uh, so speaking of privilege, the company may want its attorneys to interview company employees about the investigation. Are those discussions privileged? Yeah, this is a good question and something that comes up in, in, in virtually every internal investigation or government investigation. Um, you're always gonna want to interview your company employees about what happened. You want to get their, their take on the underlying allegations and find out what they know. Now when corporate counsel interviews employees, those conversations are privileged, but this is an area for extreme caution. What do you mean? Who controls the privilege? What I mean by that is that the company controls the privilege, not the employee. That mean it's, means that it's the company's right to assert the attorney-client privilege and also the company's right to waive the attorney-client privilege, not the employee. The employee needs to be advised of that fact and to agree to keep any discussions confidential prior to their, to their being interviewed by corporate counsel. Kind of like the police reading a suspect his Miranda rights? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Except in this uh, area, we call it an Upjohn warning, not a Miranda warning. This comes from a 1981 Supreme Court case called United States versus Upjohn. In that case, which was a landmark ruling in the privilege area, the Supreme Court held that communications between corporate counsel and employees are privileged, but the privilege belongs to the company and only the company can waive the privilege. So how does the Upjohn warning go? What you want to do in each case where you have corporate counsel interviewing a company employee, and this is going to apply to both in-house counsel as well as outside counsel, you have to give this so-called Upjohn warning, which is a series of uh, cautionary statements that you have to give to the employee at the outset of the interview so that the um, employee understands the relationship between you as counsel, the company, and the employee. Here's what we typically say in this situation. We've been retained as counsel for ABC Corporation to assist in the conduct of the investigation. You are being interviewed in connection with this investigation. We as counsel represent ABC Corporation only and not you individually. This interview is privileged, but the company controls the privilege and may decide to reveal the substance of the interview to regulatory authorities, law enforcement, or other third parties. We ask that you keep the substance of this interview confidential. Do you have any questions? Do you wish to proceed? That's the nature of the so-called Upjohn warning that we would give to a employee of a company in the context of an interview uh, by, uh, by counsel. And can an employee refuse? Yes, of course. An employee can say, no, I don't want to talk to, to the company's counsel. Um, but typically in that context, the company can um, condition future employment on cooperation, meaning if the employee refuses to cooperate, it could potentially uh, jeopardize their continued employment with the company. And what's the goal of the Upjohn warning? Uh, you want to encourage your employees to cooperate with the investigation, and you also want them to clearly understand the nature, the privileged nature of the interview. But you also have to ensure that the employee understands that the company controls the privilege and that the attorney conducting the interview represents the company and not the employee um, himself. This avoids any later claim down the road that the employee was uh, per, you know, thrown under the proverbial bus and avoids any appearance of dual representation. And what I mean by that is you don't want the employee to have any perception that the lawyer conducting the interview is representing both the company and the employee individually. That makes a lot of sense. You know, one other thing, um, as the old adage goes, put it in writing. It's critical to memorialize in writing that the Upjohn warning has been given to an employee in the context of an interview. So what I like to do in these situations is I always prepare a file memo after I uh, conduct an interview of an employee, and I will always document in my file memo, memo that I have given the Upjohn warning to the employee. That way, if there's any dispute down the road, there's a contemporaneous uh, written uh, account of what the employee was told. That's time-tested advice. Thanks, Matt. In the next episode of Federal Agents at Your Door series, we'll sum it all up with some steps companies can take to minimize risk. Have specific questions about responding to federal investigators? Matt can be reached at Fox Rothschild's Philadelphia office at 215-299-2765 or via email at mlee at foxrothschild.com. That's M-L-E-E -E at foxrothschild.com.